subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to our channel and text this link to your personal network. I believe we're almost at a thousand people having subscribed to the St. Paul YouTube page. Amen. And so if you would encourage your family and friends, click that subscribe button and we'll give God praise. And if you're on the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. Amen. I am certainly delighted and elated to have Minister Erica Minor, who's going to come and lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned. So godly proud of my daughter in ministry as she pursues as far as her seminary degree is concerned at Hood. Amen. And she is pressing her way. Amen. And we celebrate her. So, uh, Minister Minor, would you come and lead us in worship? With our hands lifted up and our mouths filled with praise, with hearts of thanksgiving, let us bless the Lord this morning. Let us bless him for his splendid works. Let us bless him for his majestic works. Let us praise him for all that he is doing in our lives. Let us bless the God of love this morning because his righteousness endures forever. Wherever you are this morning, stand and sing along with the choir as we sing holy, holy, holy.
praise the Lord this morning. At this time, we're gonna at this time we're gonna begin our scripture reading for today. And as you're turning in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, um, we'd love to know where you're watching us from. We'd love to know um, what city or state you may have been joining us from. And just post that in the chat rooms. We see you here on Zoom. And for those that are on YouTube or Facebook or other platforms, we'd love for you to share the link like Pastor said earlier. Share that and let us know where you're joining us from. We welcome you and we're glad that you're with us today. We're going to do 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, and by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. The word is already blessed. Let us go to God in prayer. We are grateful for one more day to virtually join together and focus on you and your awesome love and power, God. We welcome the Holy Spirit to move and have its way as we praise and worship you this morning. We invite your presence into our hearts and into this atmosphere of worship so that only you may be glorified. Lord, thank you for what you are doing and what you're going to do in this worship service today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. If you believe our God reigns this morning over your life, over your circumstance, over whatever you are going through right now, then let's give him a praise offering this morning, a round of applause for how great our God is, how much he is deserving of the praise that we are giving him this morning. Let me say good morning, and it's good to be uh, good to be back and back in the Lord's house uh, this morning. I was getting over a little sick bug that I had, and so it's it's good to be back. And I've definitely praised God for being able to be back here in Your presence this morning and and uh, able to um, preach again. Um, and let's say good morning to everyone. I want to say my name is Reverend Peyton C. To uh, those that are visiting with us for the uh, first time and joining us here in service this morning. This is going to be the point in our service where I do the impact moment, where, which is a, a moment that is designed specifically for our kids and the kids at heart, um, where I'll get to deliver a message uh, to them from God. Uh, before I begin, I have a few announcements this morning. Um, the first thing that I want to say is I have not uh, gotten to publicly um, acknowledge and to say this, and I want to say this now because she meant so much um, to the kids and to the people here at St. Paul and to me when I got to work with her. I want to say that my thoughts and prayers are with the family of our gone but not forgotten sister Geneva Walker. Um, she cared about our kids so much, and that's one thing that I will personally remember about her in the short time that I knew her. It was a lifestyle, and from talking with the people that have known her um, personally um, a little bit this week, I, I found out it, was, it was, wasn't even something that she did. It was a lifestyle. She cared about any kid that she came into contact with, and that's, that's just who she was. And so we praise God and we honor uh, her this morning. And, uh, man, I just had the pleasure of her with work, uh, working the oratorical contest with her. And I know it gave our kids that were gifted and talented in terms of speaking, or even if they weren't, just the opportunity to try it and to really just deliver um, whatever message it was that God had laid on their heart for the prompt that um, we had given them. And so we remember her legacy, and we definitely press forward with that same mindset to take care and care for our kids. Uh, today, later today at 2 p.m., uh, um, 2 p.m. later today this afternoon, um, Sunday Morning Live will be happening for our kids. Um, it's our Sunday school program for them. I encourage you um, uh, to get online or to message someone um, on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you are, and our digital ministers will be able to hook you up with that link and let you know when and how that is happening. Um, middle school and high school Bible study uh, this Wednesday um, at 6 p.m. We'll go from 6 to 7 p.m. Last week, we got to talking about the Trinity, and we had some really good conversation um, with our kids about the Trinity. It's a really tough topic for even adults to understand, and uh, God bless Reverend Josh Jordan. As, uh, he and I were able to um, really work that out with the kids, and Josh explained it to them in a wonderful way. So I encourage your children, um, you to get your children on that so that we can have an awesome Bible study together. Last thing would be to follow our impact page at impact underscore 1401 on Instagram. And uh, if you are a parent that is on Facebook, uh, let our digital ministers know. And we'll be happy to ho uh, hook you up and get you into the Facebook group, uh, Impact 1401 Parents and Guardians, um, where I'll get to share some more personal information with you and also get to um, encourage you in your parenting and whatever it is that uh, you are going through. So designed specifically for you guys. And so with all that being said, thank you guys for working with, uh, through, me, through, uh, through that with me on that. I wanted to make sure that I shared that with you this morning. The title of today's impact moment is this. It is uh, following the leader. Following the leader. Uh, our message, uh, the sermon message comes from uh, the scripture from uh, John chapter 1, uh, verses 38 through 39. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. 
And it, the scripture says this, Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he asked, what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, Jesus said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Our bottom line this morning, guys, or our main point for today's message is this, come follow Jesus with me. Come follow Jesus with me. When I was thinking of a title for this week's message, the word follow kept coming to my mind. And as I repeated that word in my head again and again, follow, follow, I said in my head out loud, following the leader, following the leader. And I almost immediately burst into song. We're following the leader, the leader, the leader. We're following the leader wherever he may go. I mean, that song was stuck in my head immediately when I thought about that. And I, I thought about one of my favorite Disney movies um, of all time, and that's Peter Pan. Um, in the scene from this movie where the song is sung, um, a boy by the name of John, who is the oldest brother in the family that Peter Pan takes with him to Neverland, he's playing this game with Peter's friends or that are called the Lost Boys. And so they're playing this game that is called Following the Leader. And the rules of the game are in the song. I remember playing this game when I was little. One person would be at the front of the line and you know, the next person and the person behind them, they would be all in a straight line and they would follow behind that lead person. And they would do whatever that person said. They would do whatever they, would do whatever they did. If the leader marched, everyone marched. If the leader sang a song, everyone sang it together with the leader. If, the, if the, the rules of the game, like I said, were in the song that they sang. And so since they were in the song, I figured I might sing a little bit this morning, but not sing completely because we don't want to hurt people's ears, Scott. So <laughs> I'm going to slightly sing this. And so this song went a little something like this. And I want, you to, I want you to be able to hear the rules of this game. It went like this. It went, T-dum, T-dee, a tee do T-dee. We march along and follow the other guy. Each thing he does, the rest of us have to try with a teetily do, a teetily do, TD. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for picking up on that. That was pretty quick, my friend. <laughs> Each thing that, that John does, as you guys heard from the song and in the, in the rules that are present within them, each thing that John does as the leader, the lost boys and his younger brother, Michael, who's also there, they have to try it too. So they march to the same tune in unison together. If John swung from a vine, they all swung from a vine. If he jumped onto a rock, they all jumped onto a rock. If he turned left or right, they turned left or right. Wherever John would go, they were right behind him. And so in my life, guys, this morning, if I claim to believe in Jesus, for me, the next step is to follow him, to follow Jesus. He is my leader. He's at the front of the line. He's number one in my life. For me to follow him is to do what he says to do in scripture and to do what he did. But more than that, it's to live my life in the best way that I can for God, like Jesus did. Except for us as Christians, we know that it's not just a game. It's living our lives with Jesus as our example and our leader. 
So before we get into our memory verses for today, I want to extend this invitation to you that is, again, our bottom line for this morning. Come, follow Jesus with me. The truth is, our memory verses today are about the first disciples who gave their lives to following Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 38 through 39, again says this. Jesus looked around, and he saw them following. What do you want, he asked. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Two disciples were with John the Baptist, and we know who John the Baptist is. When John looked up and he saw Jesus passing by a little bit before this scripture takes place, he shouted out loud, look, there's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. John knew that Jesus was going to be the sacrificial lamb or the sacrifice that would save the world from their sins. When he pointed him out, the two disciples left to follow Jesus. They wanted to know more about who this Lamb of God was. Jesus was walking and he was taking a stroll when he felt the disciples' presence behind him and around him. They were following him. And so Jesus asked, what, what do you want? <laughs> Jesus wanted to know what they wanted and why they were following him. I believe he was asking because he wanted their reason. He wanted to know what their desire was. Where was their heart in following him? They called Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. The two disciples knew that Jesus was the best teacher for them to learn from, to study, and to observe. If Jesus was as special as their friend John had said, then following Jesus would be life-changing for them, and they knew that. They were so excited to follow Jesus. Guys, they wanted to see where he was staying so they could stay with him. And when Jesus invited them home with him, with, uh, they came and stayed at Jesus' place the rest of the day. They had, a whole, they had a whole day planned just with Jesus. So guys, check this out. The first thing the first two disciples noticed was that Jesus was special. I believe they noticed how special Jesus was. They knew Jesus was the chosen one the Messiah, and the future Savior of the world. Believing that is what led to them wanting to follow him. Since they were with John the Baptist, they, they had to have heard John talk about Jesus before, right? How Jesus is the light of the world, the Savior of all mankind, the Son of God, the one that would bring life to everyone, and for that, they wanted to follow him. Jesus was also a teacher. The disciples realized that Jesus could help them learn more about God and how to obey him. Jesus perfectly obeyed God the Father, and he loved the Lord with all his heart. That's why when he tells us to love our neighbor and to follow him, we can take him at his word. And so Jesus walked, <clears throat> excuse me, walked the walk and he talked the talk. He's everything that we want in a leader, and so he's the best person to teach us. At that time, guys, a Jewish rabbi like Jesus would have students or followers who would study with the rabbi, observe him, and learn from him as their teacher. That is what the two disciples planned to do. They sat with Jesus the rest of the day at the place where he stayed. Can you imagine spending a whole day <clears throat> with Jesus, soaking up his teaching and the words that he said while sitting at his feet? Well, guys, the boys and Peter Pan, they were going to follow John wherever he went. Whatever he did, they were going to do. And so in the same way, guys, I do believe that we can follow Jesus wherever he wants us to go, and we can do whatever we can do by loving God, loving others, and spending time reading God's word. 
The disciples were willing to follow Jesus home, sit at his feet and learn from him. And then after that experience, they went and they told their friends, they told their family to follow Jesus with them. And so this morning, I'm asking you to do the same. Come, follow Jesus with me. God has always been looking for you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to give your lives to following him, spending time thinking about him day in and day out so that we can be like Jesus too. Will you join me in prayer this morning as we close out our impact moment? Dear Lord, we thank you so much, God, for Jesus this morning. Thank you, God, for a leader and for someone that we can follow, model our lives after. God, it's this morning, today, and every day that I ask that you would give us the strength and the ability to love you and to follow Jesus with our lives and with all our heart. Thank you, God, for this moment. Thank you for you and for the gift of your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you all. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. Thank you, Reverend Peyton C., for your impact moment. And, of course, for all of those that are watching us, as far as our various platforms, we greet you with Jesus' joy. There are just several observations I want to share with you before we move into prayer. I want to, of course, thank you all for your generosity and your kindness and, of course, to the work that our disciples who serve in the food pantry are, are doing. We served over 157 families this past week. And of course, to uh, Sister Felicia Knowles and all of those who work with her, thank you all so very, very much. And thank you, disciples, for your contribution, as well as our friends who join us to make a difference in the community. I also just want to thank those who join us on our prayer call for a quick 15 this past Wednesday. And of course, it's a wonderful time. I would love for us to get up to having at least 100 people to join us as far as prayer is concerned. And so uh, if you would share that particular moment with your network and uh, let's uh, be able to uh, surpass 100 people being in prayer for at least 15 minutes uh, during the week. I also just want to mention that on this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday, the marriage ministry will be hosting a virtual Valentine's Day celebration. You can register on our website, and we would love for you to register on our website uh, as far as Love Notes Volume 3. Uh, if you register, there is uh, the potential to get some type of virtual door prize, uh, and I want to commend the leadership of our marriage ministry for the wonderful job that they are doing. Uh, Team Lee and Team Davis, thank you all so very, very much. And looking forward to sharing with you. That's going to be this Saturday, February the 6th at 7 o'clock p.m. I want to, if I could, I want to clear up a, um, uh, a, a false rumor that has been circulating, particularly through our senior building, uh, as far as the COVID vaccination is concerned from my particular desk. Uh, it has been stated uh, that someone said that I am discouraging people from taking the vaccine, and that is so far from the truth. As a matter of fact, when I'm able, I will be registering to take the vaccine when it is my turn. 
And of course, um, we have done all that we can here at St. Paul to secure this space as a vaccination space. Here in the U.S., we need to have um, at least 100 million people vaccinated by the beginning of May and try to accomplish what is called herd immunity and move towards reopening businesses, schools, and places of worship. And I want to encourage you to research the vaccine for yourself. Research it for yourself. And if you feel comfortable, go ahead and take it. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and take it. I just want you to know that I'm personally taking it, but I'm not dissuading anyone from not taking it. Amen. So I wanted to clear that up. And so hopefully and prayerfully, you can tell your friends, Pastor didn't say that. The other thing I want to let you all know is that <clears throat> through uh, our work here at St. Paul on this Thursday, February the 4th, um, from 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., we will be hosting COVID vaccinations in the parking lot of our town homes. We have uh, been selected to be a site as far as COVID vaccinations are concerned. Now, I need you to hear me and hear me well on who is qualified to get the vaccination. The vaccination will be available for those who are 65 years and older, 65 years and older. There are only gonna be 350 vaccinations available. Therefore, you wanna come early. No pre-registration is required. You will be registered on site. So expect an hour to two hour wait in your vehicle. For those that will be walking up, special arrangements will be made for you. And the second dose will be administered at the same location on March the 4th from 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Now, let me go over this one more time um, uh, just to make sure. Vaccinations for 65 and older, there are only 350 vaccinations available, no pre-registration required. Expect a one to two hour wait, get here early. Arrangements will be made for those who walk up and the second dose will be administered on March the 4th from 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the same site. So get here early, those that are 65 years and older, we want to do our part to uh, help those get vaccinated. Amen, amen. As we prepare to transition as far as prayer is concerned, we have several prayer concerns we wanna share with you. And I'm going to ask that Minister Erica Minor will prepare to come and lead us to the throne of grace. As far as funeral arrangements are concerned, the family of Sister Joanne Lightsey Campbell, the sister of disciple uh, Mary Campbell, her gravesite service will take place Thursday at York Memorial Park here in Charlotte. The family of Brother David Stroud, the brother of disciple Kevin Stroud, his viewing will be taking place at the House of Rosedale in Charlotte at 12 noon today, and the homegoing service will be at 1 p.m. We also want to lift up the family of Sister Sarah Louise uh, Lipsy. She's the mother of disciple Natasha Lipsy. Her services were this Friday in St. Louis. The family of Aaron Green, the brother of disciple Lula McCullough, his services was on Monday in Washington, D.C. The family of Deacon Geneva Walker, the mother of brother Brandon Alexander, her services were here at the church uh, this past Monday. 
want to continue to lift up the family of disciple David Hugh Houston, uh, the in-law of disciple Jacqueline Thompson, uh, the family member of Edith Harris, Novella Lund, and Virginia Greer, the family of disciple Juanita Dobson, who is the daughter of disciple Shirley Adams, uh, and the family of disciple Donald Springs, the husband of disciple Linda Springs. We want to continue to lift all of them up in prayer. As far as hospitals are concerned, Sister Shirley Adams, who had to go back in, and I believe she has been released, Carolyn Martin, Willie Perry, uh, Beverly Powell, we want to continue to lift those families up in prayer. Also, we got a special note this morning from disciple Frankie McCory, who lost his son, 29 years old, Apollos J. Lee McCory, and the details will be forthcoming. We want to cover uh, that family in our prayers as well. Um, special prayer concerns for Francis Dalton, Gloria Dixon, the German family, Patricia Love and family, and Janice Minor. We know that God can do anything but fail. And we know that God not only hear our prayers, but we know that God will answer our prayers according to God's will. So at this time, uh, uh, Minister Minor will come and lead us to the throne of grace. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing you are our great I am. You are everything that we need. Lord, you heard the list of those who are grieving, those who are just not understanding why they lost loved ones this past week. Lord, you know the sorrow in their hearts. You know the hurts of their emotions. But Lord, we know that you are a comforter. We know that you are at the center of our joy, Lord. Lord, reach out and touch those who are hurting, those who need you. Lord, you know those of us who are going through some spiritual trials and those of us who are going through everyday struggles in our lives. But Lord, we know that you are our protector and you not only heal physical ailments, but you heal the mental illnesses. You heal the emotional scars. You heal the brokenhearted. Lord, we ask that you wrap us in your loving arms and that you never let us go. Lord, we have some that are lonely and Lord, let them know that you are always a friend. Lord, hold our hand and walk with us every single day. Lord, hear our requests, hear our cries. We know that you are the source of everything that we need. Lord, we are grateful and thankful that we always have you to count on. We thank you for being a consistent God, a compassionate God, and a merciful God. Lord, you know the desires of our hearts. You know the dangers that we face. You know the, the everyday confusions that we encounter. Lord, we ask for your wisdom and discernment so that we can persevere here on this earth. Lord, we are so thankful for everything that you are doing in us and through us and how you are allowing us to bless others. Lord, we glorify you, we praise you, and we know that you are already working it out for the things that we have stood on your promises are stood on your promises and proclaimed that you can do. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you're moving. And Lord, we count it done today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. If you believe that the Lord is answering that prayer, can you give God the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserves? Thank you, Minister Minor, for taking us to the throne of grace. And one of the responses as far as um, our prayer is concerned is the wonderful opportunity to partner with God as far as God's work is concerned through the act of giving. Giving is a part of worship. And as we prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. The first was, of course, by bringing your check or cash or money order to the church. You can uh, bring it to uh, here at the church, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Call the church first to make sure that someone is here to uh, receive your offering. And that, that number is 704-334-5309. Uh, the other way you can do is mail your check or money order to the church. And, of course, when we receive it, we will place it in the safe and, of course, have it counted on the following Sunday. Uh, the second way you can give is through our website. Uh, you can give through the giving prompts on our website. And the third way you can give is through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app from your um, application store. Uh, search for St. Paul's. Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, and connect it to your favorite credit card, and you can give as far as that is concerned. So wherever you are right now, if you're on the phone, Facebook Live, YouTube, or Zoom, virtual Zoom congregation, I want you to do me this favor. If you're preparing to give right now, if you would take your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this wonderful and auspicious occasion to partner with you and to give. And as we prepare to give, oh God, we realize that we give not grudgingly nor out of necessity, but cheerfully. Why? Because you love the cheerful giver. God, if you would take these gifts of ours and multiply them according to your word, I thank you, God, for those who are practicing the spiritual discipline of giving tithes and offerings. I thank you, God, for those who may not be giving tithes and offerings but are trying to give something. God, I pray you will enhance and increase their faith. Now, God, if you would take these gifts of ours and do what you do best, that is be God over them and allow for us to be blessed according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So do me a favor if you would. Go ahead and give at this time. Put a smile on your face. Amen. Our... Um, Singers are going to come and bless us with one of my favorite songs, uh, My Soul is Anchored. So if you would, let's give God praise as they come and bless us.
within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore I know he'll leave me safe that blessed place he has prepared oh it is So 
because he is the one who keeps us steadfast and unmovable. I want to, for the time that is mine, call your attention. I've done a series of Bible studies on Philippians and want to call your attention to Philippians chapter 4, looking at verse 10 through verse 20. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through verse 20. And it reads like this, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Key verse, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, to both abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. 
I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to preach for the time that is mine, finding contentment in a crazy world. Finding contentment in a crazy world. In our virtual, digital, digital gathering this morning, I believe that I'm talking to some discontented people. People who are unhappy about how things have gone in your life thus far. And if you're honest, you will have to admit that your source of discontent, displeasure, and disappointment have created tension for you to the point that it seems like your life has no merit, meaning, or management because you have become stymied and stuck in mediocrity, mess, and misery. When this happens, it is because God is not in the place of prominence, preeminence, or priority in our lives. So many of us claim to love God. So many of us don't mind praising God. So many of us want to serve God, but we come woefully short when it comes to demonstrating faith in God. This happens even with the best of us because we live in a world that is broken, defiled, and polluted by sin. And it's also haunted by the demonic. Therefore, the tendency always exists for us to find ourselves not walking by faith, but struggling by sight. At the same time, we try to find some sliver of hope within the consistent contradictions of our reality. Sadly, faith fails to pop up and strengthen us when we need it most. Despair has the tendency to take over our being to the point that so many of us may put on our Sunday morning faces, but our spirits carry the burden of despair. This is why some of us have issues praising God with sincerity, worshiping the Father faithfully, obeying the Son readily, and submitting to the Spirit humbly. This is why some of us can't authentically function with a sense of purpose, power, and passion because we have allowed for the craziness of the world, the chaos of the culture, to make us crazy too. So let's be honest. Let's get real right now. Some of you logged in this morning using this opportunity as a moment of escape from the pressures, problems, and pains of your life. Some wanted to take this break from the troubles, trials, and tribulations of your existence. Some of you wanted to get away from the issues, idiots, and idiosyncrasies in your space. And so our virtual time together is not really a moment of worship. It's not merely a moment to praise God, but it's just a distraction as far as the drama and trauma of your life that make you feel like you're about to go crazy. And God knows our world is crazy. When you read the newspaper, when you listen to the radio, when you watch the television, when you get updates on your 
Facebook status or you tweet your next thought or you post your vibe on the gram or you sneak into the dark corners of the web, you know that this world has lost its mind. As a matter of fact, unfortunately, many of our social media gatherings have become nothing but a place where we can spew our vitriol and our hatred and our idiocy among other folks who think like us and behave like us. White supremacists have always been a domestic terrorist threat in America, but only till recently have we called and defined it as such. The economy still is not helping those that are poor because the rich continues to get richer, the middle class is dissipating, and the poor becomes poorer. COVID-19 is mutating at a rapid pace. The South African variant as well as the UK variant have hit our shores, and we don't know what other types of variants are coming our way. Infections and death due to this pandemic continue to rise at a rapid pace. As a matter of fact, the United States of America, due to the previous presidential administration, because of its ineptitude in handling this crisis, we now, from a per capita perspective, have the highest rate of death in the world. Bullying through social media is causing teens to commit suicide. We still have people who buy into these QAnon theories, and we still have folks that don't want to wear masks in public. Racism and sexism are still rampant. But I want to submit to you the reason why we have people who are discontent in a crazy world is because we've allowed for the world to define who we are. We've allowed for the culture to tell us what to do. We've allowed for social media to di dictate where we should be rather than the God who created and shaped us in the image and likeness of God. This is why so many of us have issues carrying out the will of God fulfilling our God-giving purposes and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit because we've allowed for society to define us. We keep letting the culture give us shape and meaning and contours to our existence. And yes, sin creates discontent. Let me, if I could, make my point. When we have sin in our hearts, it has a significant impact on what motivates us. And when sin serves as the motivating factor in our lives, we wind up creating idols in our space. Some people are strongly motivated by a desire for influence and power. Others are more excited by approval and appreciation. There are some listening to me who want emotional and physical comfort more than anything else. Others strive for security and the control of their environment. When power is your idol, when prestige is your idol, when affirmation is your idol, you don't care if you are unpopular to gain influence. All of us struggle with idols in our lives, and each of these idols power, authority, comfort, approval, or even appreciation creates a different set of wants and desires that ultimately don't materialize, don't come to pass because they cannot do anything substantive in our reality. 
we bow down to these various idols. And unfortunately, even as we bow down, we see that when we call upon them, just like 450 of Baal's prophets did at Mount Carmel right before Elijah took them out, we hear no response because they have no power. I want to suggest that one of the places where we get our greatest discontent is when it comes to money. Yes, money can become an idol if it's not already an idol for so many of us. And it feeds the foundational impulses in our lives. For example, some of us want a lot of money as a way to be able to control our workspace and our life. Such people don't spend much money and live modestly. They keep it all safely uh, saved and invested so they can feel completely secure in this world until the stock market acts foolish and pull a GameStop move on your investment. Others want money to gain access to social circles and do it to make themselves look more beautiful and attractive. These people spend money on themselves in lavish ways. Others want money because it gives them power over others, so they think. In many cases, money functions as our idol, and it will mess you up. And therefore, when money becomes your idol, one will experience serious moments of discontent because you have taken something that God intended to be good and you have placed it in God's place. This is why we cannot allow for our finances to drive our lives to the point where we become stingy and we miss the blessings that God has for us. The Bible says that it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. It does not say that money is the root of all evil, but it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. I want to suggest that as Paul is addressing this small church at Macedonia by the name of the Philippians, he lifts this up for us. The solution to greed, stinginess, and a harmful use of money is a reorientation to the generosity of Jesus Christ in the gospel. How Christ poured out his wealth for all of us. Now, you don't have to worry about money because the cross proves that God cares for you and God will give you the security that you need. Jesus' love and the salvation provided through his death confers on you special status that money cannot give you. Money cannot save you from tragedy. Money cannot provide eternal life. Money cannot give you the contentment in this crazy world. Only God can do that. As a matter of fact, it has been proven that for those who wind up hitting the lottery, that in about seven to ten years, they find themselves broke because they have used their money to give them a sense of security that ultimately it could not bring. I'll stop by to let you know that your money, that your investments cannot give you the security that you need. Only God can do that. So in this final section 
to the church at Philippi, Paul is thanking the church for remembering him and his needs as they had before. Now, if you really want to understand this passage closely, you you got to understand how Paul lets the Philippians know how he has been able to remain cool, calm, and collected in a hazardous, hellish, and hideous situation. Paul is writing this particular letter from a jail cell in Rome, awaiting his trial and ultimately his execution. But he takes time out of potential worry to express thanks to a little church in Macedonia that has been good to him. He appreciates the kindness of this small, struggling, poor church. He understood that the expression of their generosity because they had experienced the grace, mercy, and salvation of God through Jesus Christ. Remember, this is not some mega church with 20,000 members. This is a very small church, but it is out of their lack that they don't have a problem partnering with Paul as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned. This church felt the need to be generous and to share in the work of the kingdom. So Paul takes out time to put pen to parchment and tell them thank you, even though his life is hanging in the balance. Then he says some rather stoic phrases that seems like he doesn't care about what's going to happen to him. Now, a stoic is a person who does not let his or her emotions get the best of them. In other words, it seems like for Paul, he was saying what comes what may. So when Paul says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, it may seem like he is lackadaisical. It may even seem like he's lazy about his life. But when you read this passage, you have to conclude that Paul has found a peace that goes beyond all human understanding. This is why he starts off this section in response to the Philippian church by saying, I rejoice In the Lord greatly because you have shown great concern to me once again. Isn't it remarkable to be happy because a church with meager resources, a church that's small as far as membership size is concerned, a church that may not seem like it has much, can sow into the work of the kingdom. And they did it cheerfully. But I want you to know that Paul is not some stoic philosopher. All in all, Paul is able to keep his chin up and his head held high and remain faithful because when he could have given up, he did not. And this is part of the puzzle that brings Paul contentment in his world that has been turned upside down. So so how was Paul able to find contentment even though uh, his world has gone crazy? How is it that Paul is able to navigate with a sense of peace and clarity even though he's living in the midst of a chaotic situation? I want to suggest a few things and then I'll be done. First of all, Paul found contentment because he was glad to know somebody else cared about the work of the Lord. Oh, let me put a pen right there because Paul concludes this letter to the church at Philippi. He lets them know that he is delighted over their recent contribution because it is a sign that they care for the work of the Lord. 
Their sacrifice of time, talent, and treasure indicated that they had a clear understanding that it cost to do the work of ministry. The disciples at Philippi were led to share with Paul because Paul had been a blessing to them. Paul was the one that established this church in Macedonia. Paul was their spiritual father, and they looked to Paul for leadership, for guidance, and for instruction in apostolic doctrine. They cared for his work, and they were willing to put their money where their mouth was because it was a tangible symbol that they cared for the work of the Lord. For them, this is a major, it is a significant sacrifice. And they understood that where there is no major sacrifice, there can be no major blessing. They understood that where there is no major sacrifice, uh, there will not be a major move of God. So for Paul, there are times when he felt like he was doing this work by himself. And let's be honest. There are those who are committed to the call of Christ. There are those who are committed to the work of the church. There are those who are committed to the purpose of ministry. And if we are honest, we have to admit it is a thankless job. Now you must know that there were times when Paul probably felt like nobody cared. When Paul had to deal with the Corinthian church, a church that he had established. A church where his apostolic authority was questioned. A church where the people were acting crazy even though they were gifted. A church where he was considered to be a lesser figure. A church that was in a mess. Uh, Paul wondered if it was really worth the hassle. Then as Paul surveyed uh, his life after accepting the call as far as ministry is concerned... He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten within an inch of his life. He had been run out of town. He had been put in jail on numerous occasions. At time, Paul had to deal with the original apostles who had issues with him sharing with the Gentiles. It was a thankless job. But this little church has done for him as far as their giving is concerned, reminds him he's not in the trenches by himself. Oh, St. Paul, let me tell you that when you support ministry, you demonstrate how much you care for the work of the church, but more importantly, you demonstrate how much you care for our Lord. But there is something that happens when you give to the church. There is something that happens when you give to the work of ministry. Paul is letting them know that there is something taking place in heaven that will blow their minds. If you will follow the flow as far as the text is concerned in verse 16 to 17, it messes me up. Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit may abound to your account. Ooh, can I put my kickstand down there just for a moment and really share with you what Paul is saying? Paul is so concerned that they develop what is called the grace of giving because there is spiritual interest accumulating in their heavenly account. In other words, when you give 
from the right place. When you give in the right spirit, when you give from the right frame of mind, God is giving credit in an interest-bearing heavenly account. Now, I got to share something with you because when you look at the word account in the Greek, it is translated logos, L-O-G-O-S. Can I teach a little bit? Logos is what we see as a description of Jesus because in John chapter 1, we see that in the beginning was the word Logos and the word was with God, Logos, and the word was God, Logos, and the word became flesh, Logos, and dwelt among us when we beheld him in full of glory and honor. In other words, Logos is another word for Jesus. Now watch this. Logos is where you and I get our modern word logic. Logic is how you and I come to a a rationale about our reality that makes some sense. In other words, we don't engage in QAnon conspiracy. We look at what is before us, apply our faith to it, and know that God can make a way out of no way. So when we talk about Jesus being the Logos of God, Jesus is the fleshly articulation of the mind of God. Now watch this. If Jesus is the fleshly articulation of the mind of God and we now see that logos is another word for an account, then basically whenever we give as far as the work of ministry is concerned, we are basically giving directly to our God and God is building up credit or interest as far as our heavenly account is concerned. So could it be that since our finances are an extension of our personal reality, that when we sow into the kingdom of God, we get a better view and understanding of who Jesus is because it's real hard to be a follower of Jesus and be stingy. It's getting real quiet even in here also. So watch this. So when you pay your tithes and offerings, you are accumulating interest in your account. When you give to the food pantry here, you are accumulating interest to your account. When you give to the scholarship fund, you are accumulating interest to your account. When you give to Sunday school and Bible study, you are accumulating interest to your account. When you give to various missions and ministry, you are accumulating interest to your account. When you give on special days here at the St. Paul Church, you are accumulating interest to your account. And I have discovered but I am a living witness uh, that God has a way of compounding your interest to the point you can sing that song. You can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. And just as sure as you are living and the Lord is in heaven on high, the more you give. Do I have anybody that's a living uh, witness? The more you give, the more he gives to you. Just keep on giving because it's really true. What? You can't be. 
God's giving, uh, no matter how hard you try. I have discovered uh, that when I do what the Lord tells me to do, when it comes to my finances, God has a way of blowing my mind. As a matter of fact, can I do a virtual church check right now? I know I got a few folks in the house, but I need to see my folks on screen. They ain't afraid to testify when you have done what the Lord wanted you to do with your giving, with your offering, when you paid your tithes and offerings. God somehow put some elasticity on your dollars. God allowed for some stretch to stretch beyond your wildest imagination. You find yourself being able to go a little bit farther on those Maypop tires. You find yourself being able to move a little bit longer as far as your gas tank was concerned. You've been able to see folks come and bless you out of nowhere. Why? Because when you give unto the Lord, the Lord has already looked down into your future path and is preparing other folks and other things to be a blessing to you and you don't even see it coming. You need to learn how to give God praise because of the interest that has accumulated to your account. Let me, if I could, press my way because I've discovered something else is that Paul became content because Paul knew where his strength came from. Mm -hmm. uh, to appreciate this comment, you got to read the entire letter to the church at Philippi. In one part of this letter, Paul has expressed his resume, his public pedigree, his Hebrew heritage. He talks about how he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, circumcised on the eighth day, came from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a student of the famous teacher by the name of Gamaliel. He had it going on. But Paul realized that his strength did not come from his education. His strength did not come from his pedigree. His strength did not even come from his mentor. Uh, Paul realized that all that stuff couldn't sustain him when he was in the Philippian jail with his buddy Simon. He realized it could not sustain him when he was shipwrecked on the Aegean Sea, when he was ran out of town, or when he was whipped with 39 lashes. Paul wanted them to know that the joy he has in receiving their gift was not because they met his need. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, uh, now earlier, Paul sounded rather stoic when he said, uh, I've learned to be a base. I've learned to be abound. In other words, I've learned to be up. I've learned to be down. I've learned to be full. I've learned to be empty. But now he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me, if I could, because some of y'all didn't watch Bible study over the last few weeks. If I could, let me help understand. When he says all things, he is talking about all things according to the will of God for his life. Ooh, that's your shout cue. You missed it right there because somebody is going to misinterpret this text when he says all things, it don't mean everything. Ooh, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand what I'm dropping on you. In other words, don't be no fool. Talking about I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Go and stand in the middle of the street thinking that a bus ain't going to hit you. You're going to find yourself at the hospital or dead. He ain't talking about that all things. He's not talking about all things that if you were to go to the top of this building and jump out thinking that you Superman or woman wonder. Talking about I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. No, you being silly and stupid. He ain't talking about that all things. All things he's talking about is all things according to the will of God.
for your life. Ooh, I wish I had a congregation full of folks right now because it would be about seven of you or I would make eight that would get ready to take off and run around the church right now. But here is the shout for me when it comes to this. Uh, Paul wants us to understand uh, that when I say all things, uh, I am transforming uh, my stoic sounding sentences uh, to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He is saying it is through Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not really self-sufficient. I'm not really self-made. I am God-made. I am Christ-dependent. In other words, when you know that your strength comes from God through Jesus Christ, it will give you the ability to do what seems to be impossible. What gets me in this text is the word strength in he, in the Greek is in dynamo, which is where we get words like dynamic, which is where we get the word dynamite. Uh, when you know that Christ strengthens you, there is an unleashing of power that liberates the oppressed, move mountains, conquers the demonic, overcomes obstacles, transforms, transforms secular spaces into sacred places, heals the sick, and can even raise the dead. This is why Paul was able to do what Paul did because Paul knew where his power came from. When you know where your power comes from, you can do the impossible, impossible unimaginable, because it's not you doing it. You are doing it through Jesus Christ. This reminds me of a story I read during the Great Depression. The atheist Clarence Darrow was addressing a group of people on Chicago's South Side. In that group, it was predominantly black. The economic conditions at that time were dire. Money and jobs were scarce. Darrow used this fact to point out that the blight and plight of black people. And then he summed up their woes concluding, and you sing. No one can sing like you do. And what do you people sing about? Quick as a flash, an old black lady in the congregation jumped up and hollered, we got Jesus to sing about. That messed Darrow up because he had no response uh, to her authoritative claim. And the reason they can sing through their tears and fears is because they walk with the one who strengthens them to do all things. And I'm here to let somebody know that whatever you do, you ought to do it through Jesus Christ. Get your education through Christ. Get out of debt through Christ. Survive your disease through Christ. Overcome a bad relationship through Christ. Forgive your enemies through Christ. Overcome your heartbreak through Christ. Change your community through Christ. Deal with the politics through Christ. Smile when you feel like crying through Christ. Shout when you feel like sighing through Christ. Live when you feel like dying through Christ. Keep on going when you want to give up through Christ. Love when you want to hate through Christ. Lift up a bow down here through Christ. Lift up your hands and give God praise through Christ. Why? Because he is the one who gives us the strength to overcome whatever we face in our lives. Lest I've hold you too long, let me just drop one more thing on you. Finally, 
Paul recognized who will supply their need. Watch this. It didn't say needs, plural. It said need, singular. Paul knew he lacked the capacity to repay them. But they were not looking for repayment. He informs the church that because they have given to his ministry, God is going to take care of their need. You got to read the Bible real closely. Uh, Paul is very intentional on what he says. Paul does not say needs, but he says need. He is not dealing with the plural, but he is focused on the singular. God will take care of their need because they have given to the work of ministry. And as they have supplied financially to Paul's needs, Paul now said that God is going to take care of your need. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, some sees these words as a prayer and a wish. However, this is not a prayer. And this is not a wish. This is a promise. And, and, and there's a difference between a promise and a prayer. I'm getting ready to mess somebody up. Uh, y'all want to know what the difference is between a promise and a prayer? Can can I tell you what the difference is between a promise and a prayer? Sometimes God says no to your prayer. And that's his answer for your prayer. Well, I know y'all don't want to hear that, but let me say it one more time. Sometimes God says no to your prayer. And that's God's answer for your prayer. But when it comes to the promise, God's promises are always yes. So this is not a prayer. This is a promise that God is going to keep. This is in reference not only to their spiritual need, but to their physical and to their material and to their economic need as well. Paul is reminding his benefactors that God will do what Paul ain't in a position to do And that is reimburse his benefactors. I I hope I'm helping somebody here today. I hope I'm blessing somebody right now. The assurance of divine supply of the Philippians' need implies that they have given so liberally, so generously, that they left themselves with a real need. In other words, they have given to the point that they need God to take care of their need. And I want to suggest that while it's true that those who share generously with others, especially in the advance of the work of the kingdom, are promised a divine supply of anything you might lack because of your generosity. And there's a difference, beloved, between a want and a need. And so when you look at verse 19, and my God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you break that verse down, this is what you find. My God tells us who God is. Shell supply tells us what God will do. According to his riches and glory tells us of his resource base. By Christ Jesus tells us how we'll get it. My God deals with the language of faith. Shell supply deals with the outlook of faith. All your need deals with the testimony of faith. According to his riches and glory deals with the promise of faith. By Christ Jesus deals with the mean of our faith. Somebody ought to be getting ready to shout right now. I know I'm getting ready to come out my shoes. My God is the source of the supply. Shell is the certainty of the supply. Supply is the fullness of the supply. All your need is the extent of the supply. According to his riches is the measure of the supply. In glory is the storehouse of the supply. By Christ Jesus is the conduit of the supply. Uh, Since God is both outside of humanity and beyond humanity. God stands with limitless provisions and says that God is able to supply your need and God is ready to supply your need and God is more than capable to supply your need. In other words, what you need according to the will of God will be supplied through the riches of God through Christ Jesus. Whatever you need. If you learn how to ask it in faith through Jesus Christ, we serve a God who is able to supply your need. And I believe I got some folks that are on the telephone that ain't afraid to clap. I believe I got some folks on Facebook Live uh, that's not afraid to wave their hand. I believe I got some folks watching YouTube uh, that ain't afraid to shake their head. Uh, I believe I got some folks on virtual Zoom uh, that ain't afraid to lift up hands uh, and testify. We serve a God who is able to supply your need. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is read your Bible. The God we serve can give you an extension of life like he did for Hezekiah. He will forgive, confess sin like he did for David. He will give you wisdom like he did for Solomon. He will come to your aid in the lion's den like he did for Daniel. He will come in the fiery furnace like he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He will grant you mercy like he did for Habakkuk. He will send rain like he did for Elijah. He can stop the sun in the sky like he did for Joshua. He can open up the Red Sea like he did for the children of Israel. He can save you like he did Paul on the dirty Damascus road. And he can answer your prayer like he does for you and me. Is there anybody out there that ain't afraid to give God praise? Because God knows 
what you need before you ask God. And it's like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen but can I bless about a hundred of y'all that are watching us right now before you start with our father God knows you need balm for your bruises a cure for your calamities deliverance for distress eraser for your errors fixing for your faults grace for your gloom healing for your hurts joy for your journey mercy for your misery help in your hell and before you shout amen God will give you provision in poverty strength in weakness peace in confusion release from slavery sight for your blindness light for your darkness love for your hatred grace for your shame hope in despair joy in your sorrow life where there's death pardon for your troubles victory in defeat salvation for your sins and then you will learn how to be content but can I bless you real good but what shouts me in this text is when Paul said now to our God who is this God he's Jehovah Jireh the Lord our provider he's Jehovah Shalom the Lord our peace he's Jehovah Sekinu the Lord our righteousness he's Jehovah Nisi the Lord our banner he's Jehovah Elohim the mighty God our God and Father be glory forever and ever amen when you learn how to put your trust in Jesus you'll find contentment in the midst of your storm when you learn to trust Jesus want to be your power in your midnight hour when you learn how to trust in Jesus he'll pick you up when you've been knocked down when you learn how to trust in Jesus he'll wipe the blinding tears from your eyes when you learn how to trust in Jesus won't he lift up your bow down head Throw back your head, open up your mouth, and bless 
finding contentment in a world gone crazy. The only way that I have been able to maintain some semblance of peace over this past year with COVID-19 pandemic shutdown of the culture and all the other crazy stuff that can go awry in life is that I had to find contentment and peace in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When you know you haven't dotted every I and crossed every T, when you know you've messed up and fallen short, when you know that this COVID pandemic-19 has thrown you off your center, when you have to deal with craziness and politics, QAnon, conspiracies, white supremacist Christianity that's not really Christian. Oh God, it, it can drive you crazy. It can drive you crazy. But I found an answer in Jesus Christ. I found contentment in my relationship with him. Listen, wherever you are right now, if you're listening to me on whatever platform, I want you to know you don't have to be here in the church building to accept a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you prayed this prayer after me, wherever you are, and you mean it in your head and your heart, your mind and your spirit, salvation can be yours. So wherever you are right now, I want to lead you in a short prayer of a new life of a brand new start. And if you mean it, you have salvation. If you mean it, you have eternal life because you ain't saved by what you do. You're saved by what Christ has already done. And check this out. I want you to connect with us so we can do this walk. We can do life together. So wherever you are, if you would, bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. God, I want the peace that you can bring. And I know that peace comes through Jesus Christ. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe. You sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send me your Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. I want to grow in you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you. For the gift of your salvation. In Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Hey listen to me. If you prayed that prayer. You meant that prayer. You want a relationship with God. If you would do me this favor. If you're watching us on our various platforms right now. Facebook. YouTube. Uh, our church website. If you would type in salvation. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you. If you're listening to us on the phone. You're listening to us on the phone. Send an email to the church. 
If you would send an email to the church or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number. Let us know that you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. One of our people will get back in touch with you by 5 o'clock tomorrow to let you know what your next steps need to be. If you have heard this sermon and you're saying, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I want a relationship with the church. I want to join your church. We are receiving people virtually. In March, we're going to start what we call a new members class. And so I want you to be a part of that class. I want to do life with you. I would love to be your pastor. One day, we're going to come back into the sanctuary, and I would love to meet you. So here's the deal. If you want to be a part of our church, if you would, type in Connect either on Facebook, YouTube, or our church website. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Or call the church at 704-334-5309. Leave your name, phone number, or an email address where we can contact you, and somebody will connect with you by 5 o'clock tomorrow to let you know what the next steps are. Amen. I hope you leave today with a sense of contentment in a world that has gone crazy. We're getting ready to leave from this space, but never from the presence nor the power of God. So if you would, receive this benediction right now. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Hey, disciples of St. Paul and our friends, I love you. God loves you even more. We are one day closer to coming back in. But until then, continue. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Practice physical social distancing. And if you feel led, get the vaccination. Amen. I can't wait to see you again. God bless you all. I love you all. God loves you even more.